would be a... Yeah, yeah wait, this sermon is brought to you by Weight Watchers. I thought that would be appropriate to play, and, and you'll see as we, as we go through this sermon why I chose to, to open with that little video clip. It's, the sermon's not on dieting, although some of us maybe could use a sermon on dieting. I know I could. Uh, but, but I want to begin this sermon with this simple question. Are your habits shaping you, or are you shaping your habits? In other words, are, are, are you someone who is intentional about the habits you have in your life, or are the habits in your life shaping you without any intentional thought? Uh, it's the first of the year, and in the first of the year, I think it's time to, to, to think about the routines, the habits that we have, and, and maybe even think about creating some new routines and some new habits, maybe creating some new priorities in our life. And, and I showed that little video because most people go into New Year's with one of the habits they try to, to harness or one of the habits they, they try to um, gain control of is this, this habit of eating. And, and, and so this is a commercial applies to many of us. I, I, know, I know for my, I'll just speak for myself here. Uh, many times we react to every circumstance in life by eating, right? Say amen if that's true. Uh, you know, if you're happy, you eat a snack. If you're, if you're sad, you eat a snack. If you're lonely, if you're with people, you just kind of eat just out of kind of habit. And I think that's kind of appropriate to begin this ideal of habits with talking about one of the main habits most of us have in the habit of eating. And I know I like to eat. And as a matter of fact, you know that saying, starving fever feed a cold, uh, it depends on what I've got. If, I, if, got. if I've got a cold, then it's, you know, you, you feed a cold. If I've got a fever, then it's feed a fever. So, you know, I'm not even sure exactly how uh, that saying's supposed to go, but I know how I use it. It just kind of justifies eating. <laughs> you know, habits, uh, routines, uh, what, whatever you want to use, whatever phrase you want to use, uh, habit or habits affect our life. And habits run a wide spectrum, a, a wide range from, from the innocent to the, the, to the habits that really don't matter a whole lot to habits that have to be considered life-threatening and relationship-threatening. I bite my fingernails. If you bite your fingernails, say Amen. Oh, I know there's more of you than that. I bite my fingernails. And, and I got to tell you, it's a bad habit. But it's not a life-threatening habit, unless you're a trapeze artist or something, right? You know, I'm not going to die from biting my, my, my fingernails. Maybe just my knuckles are in peril. But I'm not going to die from biting my fingernails, but then there's addictions and habits. And addiction is just a habit gone completely out of control. There's addictions that are life-threatening and relationship-threatening. You know, you, you can name them. Uh, tobacco is an addiction that is life-threatening. Amen? <laughs> As a matter of fact, on, on the carton, they sell the cigarettes it has, this is a life-threatening habit, but people buy them nonetheless. <laughs> Shopping can be an addiction 
That is at least relationship. It is at least checkbook threatening. Amen? You know, eating can be a habit and an addiction that can be life-threatening. Then you can have pain medication become, can become an addiction or a habit that's life-threatening. Pornography can be a relationship and potentially life-threatening addiction. Alcohol. Illicit drugs. And, and we could go on and on of addictions and habits that can become life-threatening and relationship-threatening in our life. Habits affect life. And before we go any further past this, this is not a series on addictions, but, but I want you to know, if you're dealing with any of those types of addictions, that your pastoral staff is here to help you. You have several pastors here, including myself, that you can come to me and what you tell me is completely confidential. I will not even tell my wife. Did you realize that? See, people come and tell me things and and then they'll talk to Terry just assuming that, that I tell her everything I know. And I don't. Because it's confidential. I want you to know that whatever you're dealing with, you can come to one of your pastoral staff. It will be held in complete confidence. We will not share it with each other. We will not share it with anyone else. And I'll tell you something else. We'll love you nonetheless. I will love you no matter what you share with me. And I will help you Find help. It may not be me, but I'll put you in contact with people that can help you with addictions. That's a good time to say amen. Folks, we need each other. And and that's one of the privileges or one of the responsibilities of a pastor is those hard places in life where you can't turn to anyone else. I want you to know you can turn to me and I will help you find help. And I know in a congregation this size, there are people who are dealing with addictions and you're desperate and you're guilty and you don't know where else to turn and I want you to know that you can call me and I will not judge you and I will help you and I will find someone to help you and I'll love you. But this series is not about just those kinds of addictions but it's about the habits that all of us has and everyone has habits or routines in their life. And I looked up dictionary.com. Of course, if it's on the internet, it's got to be right. Amen. Uh, my, my, my New Year's resolution is to get more facts from the internet this year. Um, there you go. And habit is an acquired pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. <laughs> and all of us in this room have routines and habits that we do without even thinking. Who loves Chipotle? Oh, man, you guys are awesome. Chipotle is the greatest restaurant. Well, I, I, that, that's saying too much. Chipotle's awesome. I go to Chipotle as often as I can, and lots of times I get it to go. And you know, if, if I get it to go, 
and I forget the plastic fork and I have to eat it with a metal fork from home, it doesn't taste the same. Chipotle must be eaten with a plastic fork from Chipotle for it to be worth anything. It's kind of a habit, a routine in my life. And if it's, if it's not... If it's not eaten in that way, it's almost as if it's the law. <laughs> you ever been around a constant complainer? You know, the habit of their life is to complain no matter what they're going through. Not, don't look at your neighbor, okay? Don't look at your spouse. You know, the constant complainer that nothing's ever good. And this is a, an old joke, but I'll tell it none of this. You ever that guy that was, everything was negative? And so his friend had a dog that could walk on water. And, and he thought, man, I'll show this guy. So he took him out in a boat fishing with this duck. Not, not fishing, they were duck hunting. And they shot a duck and he sent the dog and the dog ran across the water, got the duck, came back, walked on the water. So he did this two or three times, and his friend, who was the constant complainer, wouldn't say anything. And finally, he turned to his friend and said, you notice anything different about this dog? He goes, yeah, she can't swim. (laughs) You know, complaining can become a habit. And that's kind of a silly illustration, silly joke. But folks, I want you to know that complaining can become a routine and a habit in your life. And it can become almost our first and only response is to complain about circumstances. And i got to tell you, the older I get, <laughs> the more I get like that. You know, I I complain a lot more now, Steve. (laughs) And and it can almost become second nature or or first nature. Maybe maybe your habit's the easy chair. And I'm going to to do a physical illustration. Here you are coming home from work. Right? Right? And that becomes the habit. And it's, it's, it's routine. It's what you do. It's who you are. And, and I want you to know these habits that you are creating, these habits that you are living by, these habits shape life. There's no other way to describe it. We can, we can deny it. We can, we can resist it. We can say, oh, that's not the truth. But, but, but if, you, if you are a chronic complainer and complaining has become a habit of life, if you're a chronic easy chair person, <laughs> it has a shaping effect in your life. It, it changes and, 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 it, and it affects your life. You know, habits may be in contrast to what we want. We may say that um, I want to be a healthy eater. (laughs) Breakfast at McDonald's as a habit every morning contrasts what we intend, right? You You can say, I want to be a healthy eater, but if you're eating three Big Macs a day and that's your habit, the habit trumps the intention. You may say, I want to be the consummate family man. Time with my children is important. Time with my spouse 
is important. Yet every time you come into the house, you sit in an easy chair and turn the TV on and veg out. Watch the habit trumps the intention. What you say you want in your life is different than what you're living. If you say you want to be a positive person and a, and, a, and a positive influence on those around you and yet you're a constant complainer, <laughs> the activity, the habit trumps the intention. And there's a, an awesome principle from Andy Stanley and his book is called The Principle of the Path and, and it's a book I've encouraged my boys to read. I, I've nagged my boys to read. It's probably the better way to say it. But, but the principle of the book and the main ideal of the book is this, direction, not intention, determines destination. <laughs> Can you say it with me? Direction, not intention, determines destination. Folks, whatever the goal of your life is, whatever the goal of this year is in your life, it's not going to be determined simply because you want it but the direction, the trajectory, the steps that you take in your life, the habits, the routines, the things you do day to day will determine the direction of your life, not just the intention, what you want to have happen. And I got to tell you, teenagers, college students, that's an important principle. This ideal that, you know, we all have dreams, we all have aspirations, things that we want to see happen in our life. And it won't just happen because we want it to happen. But, but there'll be some deliberate steps that we take in making sure that our intentions become our destination. Now, I think scripture supports this ideal that what we do matters. And it's not just about our intentions. James says it very simply. Faith without works is dead. <laughs> in other words, you can have all the faith in the world, but if your faith doesn't change how you live, then it really doesn't make much of a difference. <laughs> now, he, he gives the illustration of, well, you know, if you say you love your brother and he comes to you and he's starving to death and you say, peace be with you, go on your way, but you don't do anything to alleviate their suffering, then, then there's no love in that at all. <laughs> In other words, faith that matters, the, the faith that makes the difference, the faith that God wants to see exhibited in our life is a faith that changes how we live. It changes the habits and the routines of our life. Now, the Apostle Paul, and it's always interesting to me if, if you read some theologians and, and some more modern thinkers on, on Scripture, they'll, they'll try to put Paul in opposition, opposition to James, that, that somehow there's a conflict, and there's not. <laughs> when you read, when you read the, the Scriptures in totality, when you read them as a whole, when you read them together, it fits together very nicely. There is faith, and this faith results in a changed life, and this changed life builds our faith, and faith and works kind of works together. <laughs> You know, this decision to follow God, this, this ideal, and I think, I think we've, we've kind of propagated this, or we, as preachers sometimes, we've created this image of, of, of it just being about change of mind, and, 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 but repentance is more than a change of mind, it's a change of life. 
You know what? To, to say I repent, and, and I know I do this often, but I want, you to, I want you to see this. To say that I repent is not just saying I'm sorry, but repentance is this idea of changing direction and going a different way. And so when we come to faith, there's this idea that, that when we're trusting God, it changes our behavior, it changes our priorities, it changes how we live. And so the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the, the process of serving God and, and finishing strong, and he says this, beginning uh, 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, <laughs> but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we have an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. <laughs> you know, Paul uses... Too significant for this, this message and I think significant for those of us who, who want to enter into 2015 and serve God more successfully and be a better husband and, and wife and father and mother and son and daughter and a better friend. He, he uses two words that, that I think are very significant. He uses the phrase self-control. That's a phrase we don't like to use too often and talk about. But Paul says, you know, I exercise self-control in my life. You know, one of the things I've, I've always told my boys is this, and I, and I think this is true. Everyone is subject to discipline. It'll either be self-discipline or discipline from others. Do you see why they get sick of me talking to them, saying stuff like that? You know, it's always a little phrase. But I always tell boys, you know, if you don't exercise self-control, someone else will exercise control over you. And so in our life, there, there's this need that we have some boundary. Self-control is crucial. And, and then in verse 27, Paul uses this word, discipline. <laughs> and really... Discipline may be too tame of a phrase when you look at the original language because he uses a very aggressive word here. And, and, and the Greek word here means basically to beat black and blue, to smite, to cause bruises and livid spots like a boxer buffets his body, handle it roughly, discipline by hardships. It's a very severe discipline. It's a painful discipline. It's what an athlete does to prepare their body to do what they needed to do in competition. Now, now most of you know this, but we have an Olympian athlete that attends our church. Debbie Griffith was an Olympic 
athlete. Not only just an Olympic athlete, but she was a bronze medal winning athlete in the 1976 Montreal Olympics. And I wanted to have a picture of her, but she had heavy pictures of her on the medal stand that I could use. Maybe, maybe sometime, maybe later in this, this series, we'll put a picture up there just randomly and you'll know why it's up there. But, but I talked to Debbie about this and talked about her training as a diver. She, she won a bronze medal in the 10-meter platform in the 1976 Montreal Olympics. And as a matter of fact, several weeks ago, she actually brought her bronze medal in and let people touch it and hold it. And Spencer actually put it around his his neck and wore it like he won something. Okay, so it was kind of neat. And and, and, folks, have, have you ever just stopped and considered how unique and awesome this church is with the people that go here? Debbie's just one of many. There's so many awesome, unique, special people that go to this church. And, and I'm so, uh, so um, privileged to be your pastor. So I asked Debbie, I said, yeah, Debbie, kind of tell me about this process and t- talk about the preparation to, to, to be an Olympic diver. And, and we talked about this. She said, well, you know, it didn't start. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't just one year decide to be a diver, but I started training to be a diver when I was really little, uh, when I was just a, a small girl, I began this process of, of training to be a diver. And it was many, 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 many years of training uh, before I could even begin to think about competing in the Olympics. And, and she talked about the, how difficult and, 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 and the need for, for commitment. And, and, you know, this wasn't some short-term commitment, but it was a long-term commitment. She, she talked a little bit about the sacrifice. You know, it wasn't always easy. And she didn't always, to, to go and practice diving wasn't always what she wanted to do. But it was a priority that she made in her life. And, and she talked about having a coach and being part of a team. All those things that, that when we think about an Olympic athlete, when we think about somebody training and preparing for something like that, we, we think about those things. And, and I thought about that this morning as we are talking about new habits. And there's three things that, that I, I kind of want you to see just real quickly. It's not in your notes, so you, if you want to add this, you can. But... But, but I think there's three things about shaping new habits that's important. I, I think shaping new habits takes commitment. In other words, it, it won't just happen unless you intend it to happen. Unless you are intentional. Unless you take steps to, to shape new habits. If you want to have new habits in your life, you need to commit yourself to shaping these new habits. And it's not necessarily going to be easy. And everybody says, amen. I think shaping new habits takes consistency. In other words, there's the commitment, but then there's this also this ideal that that, that this is something that we consistently do over a period of time to create the new habit. If you want to have the habit of reading the Bible uh, daily, then then folks, I think I would consistently find a time every day that you're going to read the Bible. Amen? My, My New Year's resolution is not to ask you to say amen again. And everybody said amen. Oh, shoot, I just, I just burned it. Shaping new habits takes time. Commitment, consistency, 
and time. Boy, th- th- those things don't sound fun at all, do they? <laughs> but folks, I think if you want to shape new habits in your life, I think all three of those things are necessary. Paul's saying, champions prepare. If you want to be a champion, you have to have the habit, the commitment, the consistency. You've got to beat your body so that it does what you want it to do. If we want to win, we must discipline our body. And I wrote this down. Since habits shape life, shouldn't we shape our habits? (laughs) I mean, if, if habits are the things that kind of shape our life, shouldn't we be intentional about how the habits that we have, the habits that we create? As I started thinking about this series early and, and started writing down my thoughts on this, one thought that I wrote down is this, is that sometimes people will say things like, well, that's just how I am. That's not acceptable. If just how you am, (laughs) Popeye, just how you are is creating havoc in your relationship, in your walk with God, in your life. If just how you are is not creating a deeper relationship with God, a deeper relationship with others, a better appreciation of what God wants to accomplish in your life, if just as you are is not accomplishing those things, then saying that is just how I am is not a good response. See, I think God wants to do something better in our life than just saying, well, that's just kind of how I am. So maybe you need to create some new habits in 2015. And, and folks, I, I just tend to think that holistically, we, it's okay to talk about all habits, right? Right? Physically, maybe you need to create some new physical habits in your life. I know I do. Um, we're we're going to do again in 2015 in January. We just came through a biggest loser and Josh was the biggest loser. We voted and Josh was the biggest loser we knew. Um, Becky Icorn coordinates this, a biggest loser contest. And and we had, how many were involved last time, Becky? About over 30. And it's a fun and and there's challenges. You know, it's about losing. It's not just, you know, you're a biggest loser because your personality stinks. It's about losing weight. Uh, but, but there's challenges, you know, eating right, eating vegetables. I know, gross, vegetables. Uh, drinking water, those kind of things, eliminating pop. You know, so it's kind of a neat physical thing and a good way to create new habits. I know there's other things going around that people are doing, but, you know, maybe you want to be involved in a church-wide or a, a, not, not everybody in the church, but a good portion of the church will be participating in that. And January 14th, that'll begin. That's on a Wednesday. And uh, you can see Becky, and, and she sends and we'll probably send out through constant contact uh, information about that as well. And, and uh, there's a buy-in because there's a prize at the end, all right? If you like prizes, say amen. Now, oh, you guys, you like prizes a lot more than that. I know that. 
So maybe you need to create some new physical habits. I know this year, I try to challenge myself every year since I've turned 50. <laughs> I've tried to challenge myself with a new challenge. And when I turned 50, my challenge was Kilimanjaro. When my, when the, net last year, my challenge was to run a half marathon. And I kind of ran, walked a half marathon, but I finished it. Uh, this year, my challenge is a marathon. And you're going, oh man, so we're going to have to find another pastor after he dies. Um, so, so in September, I'm running the Air Force Museum Marathon, and, and I would encourage, it's in Dayton, it's on a Saturday, if anybody's interested in that kind of stuff, you know, I'd love to, 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 to run with you or watch you run as, as you leave me behind. Uh, in, in May, I'm running the Cap City Half Marathon. As a matter of fact, Karen, for the Cap City Half Marathon, I'm look, going to be looking for sponsors here in the next few weeks. I'm like, I'd like to find 50 people that would um, say, Pastor, if you can finish that thing, I'll give $100 towards the work and witness trip. And that way we could e easily raise another $5,000 for the material money uh, for the work and witness trip. And so maybe you want to run one of those. Maybe you just want to run a 5K. But, but set a physical challenge in your life. Maybe you want to join me. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, um, your physical challenge this year is just to, to, to go and, and, and throw water at me when I'm running these marathons. But I think most importantly, we need new habits in our walk with God. Uh, th that's, that's the beauty of through and two, reading through the Bible in two years together. I got to tell you, I'm excited about this journey together. And, and, and I, I've seen a lot of people with positive responses already to, to the devotionals that have been written and to the readings. And uh, there's more of the through and twos in the back of the sanctuary. If you've not gotten a booklet, uh, we'll have a, a whole booklet available in, in February for February. Now, now the way we're doing this, it's, it's five readings a week. So it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they're divided in that way. Now, we're anticipating, I'm not saying Saturday you don't have to read the Bible, okay? Uh, but, but I'm assuming that you're finding other uh, places to read or maybe going back and reading a portion of the scripture from the week before that was particularly significant to you on Saturday and Sunday. And so the through and twos are, are back there. I, we're, we're looking on, working on finding and creating more small groups and, and, and hopefully this month, if you're not plugged in, if, listen to me, if you're not plugged in to a Sunday school or small group, you're, you're only experiencing half the life a church has to offer. I, you know, we enjoy the, the sermon time, and it's easy for a pastor to focus on the sermon time. This is the easiest thing that, that I do every week. I, I, you know, I love it. It's just, it's just fine. But, but if you're not connected to a small group or a Sunday school of some type, you're missing the beauty of gathering with other believers and learning about God through the scripture together. And so we're going to be creating new small groups and our Sunday school classes are, are, are present for you as well. And if you're not plugged in, see Pastor Joe, see me and we'll plug you into one of the new small groups or a small group. Maybe you need to find some way to serve. Man, have I got good news for you. We have a service opportunity this week. And, and if, if your goal, if your New Year's resolution was, I want to get closer to God in 2015, can I tell you one of the best ways to get closer to God? Serve others. Allow him to flow through you in the context of serving people from outside this 
denomination, outside this church, outside this congregation. And, and you know, we, we look for ways to connect to other place people and people who may not have a church home. And we're offering you an opportunity in the very place that you come every Sunday. You just have to show up here and be kind. Show me a big smile. Oh man, we're in trouble. No, just just got to be friendly. So maybe serving is is a way that you can you can you get closer to God this week and and then next week we're going to start looking at some different things, the habit of seeking God first and we'll talk about uh, tithing at some point. I won't tell you when so you don't miss it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about fasting, we'll talk about resting, we'll talk about thanksgiving, we'll talk about the importance of gathering. Uh, but this week is, is an invitation to assess. And I'm going to ask Vicki just to come and, and play very, very quietly. Can we start with the question that we began this with? Are, are your habits shaping you or are you shaping your habits? See, our, our focus on habits over the next few weeks will we'll be focusing on habits, habits that allow us to experience God more fully. Now, now, I tend to believe that the other habits are important as well. I, you know, it's important to have healthy habits. It's important to have healthy physical and financial habits. It's important to have good family habits and good relationship habits. You know, I, I believe God cares about every aspect of our life. Do you? And I think he wants us to have healthy habits in all avenues of our life. And, and I don't think God looks down at someone when they say, hey, I want to be more physically fit and say, oh, what, what a waste of time. I think God honors those things where we're trying to make ourselves better human beings and better members of the community and better members of our family and, and more financially sound. <laughs> But I got to tell you, I believe it starts with God. Every bit of it. <laughs> you know, you, you've got physical concerns today. It starts with him. <laughs> you've got financial concerns today. It starts with him. You've got relationship issues today. It starts with him. No other starting place. Jesus says this, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor weep. They have no storeroom nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? You men of little faith, and do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. 
Can I give you Paul's translation? God cares about the physical aspects of your life, but he wants you to primarily focus on him and allow him to order the rest of your life. Stand with me, if you will. January 2015. Does anybody say that other than me and just go, oh, how can that be? January 2015 will be a fill-in-the-blank year. But I think if we want it to be a great year, it starts here. So we're opening the altars, and I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to spend a few minutes myself praying at the altar, and, and I'd invite you to come, and then I'm going to close this in prayer just for, in just a few short minutes. If you get tired, you, you can sit and pray at your pews, but I'd invite you to come if you'd like to come. Our Heavenly Father, um, if we were honest, we would probably say there's things in 2014 that we would do differently. And perhaps, Lord, we've, maybe that's inevitable. But Lord, we're praying now on the first Sunday of 2015 for um, a fresh awareness of you. Lord, we've gathered on this um, Sunday morning in a sanctuary. And by gathering on a Sunday morning, we give testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The ultimate example of new life. And Lord, we, we believe that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead, conquering sin in the grave. And Lord, we want that very resurrection power to be at work in our lives. So Lord, I, I, I pray that you help us to start this year in the right way with a fresh commitment to you. Lord, we believe your word where it says if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just and will forgive us. So Lord, we lift up to you those failures, those, those blemishes, those sins, those things we want to forget. And we ask for a fresh start. But Lord, even aside from sin, life can be messy. The Lord, the truth of the matter is that, that sometimes we make the best decision that we know to make. And it seems like it's a mess at the other end. But your word promises, Lord, that you're able to take all circumstances and work them to the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, to take those things and and to bring glory to your name, even in the midst of difficulty. So that's what we're praying for. And Lord, we're praying in 2015 that as we um, renew our relationship with you, 
as we confirm it once again, as we seek your kingdom first, you'll help us with the other things. Not that the other things aren't important, they are. But Lord, our physical body, our physical relationships, our finances, our work, our school, has true purpose only when we seek your kingdom first. So help us, Lord, to stay in tune with you. Lord, I pray for each person who's kneeling at these altars and and those in the pews, Lord, that you will bless them today and this week. Lord, as we uh, seek your will, will you just continue to give us guidance? And Lord, as we we move with you, may we truly see... uh, our God who keeps his promises. Now, Lord, I give you praise and, I th- and thanks. I love you, Lord. 